Uh, yeah, like thanks, Tiff. And like Tiff said, my name is Gabe. Uh, been going to Renew for I guess about a year, um, but I was I was here when Wilson kind of recruited me to help launch Renew, so that's really cool. Uh, let's see a little about me. I hmm, I graduated from UC Davis in 2011 with a degree in biochem. I am no longer doing anything about that. Uh, I immediately interned with Epic, which is a Christian organization on campus, uh, which I just joined full-time this past summer <laughs> with Janet over there. Uh, and I also have my MD at basketball ministry uh, later on. And before that, I will go to lunch with people because I just need to eat. I love eating. Especially after preaching, I just I need... I need intake. Um, but yeah, um, so this summer we've been going through the Bible and looking at God's redemptive story that has run throughout all of history. Uh, and it started from the very beginning at creation, where God created and commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, ah, what happened? That's too far. There we go. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God wanted Adam and Eve, who are worshipers of God, his creation, to fill the earth. And God wanted the earth to be full of people who know him, be in an intimate relationship with him, and worship him. But then the fall happened, and as a result, human beings were separated from God and... And now those who were in a perfect, complete, intimate relationship with God are not separated from him. And now there's a need for redemption. They need to be redeemed so that they would no longer be separated, but now but be united and together with God. And then we fast forward and it went to Abraham and the covenant God made with him, where God promised that he will, oh, I didn't put that verse on, oops, uh, that he will make him a great nation and I will bless him and make his name great. And uh, so that he will be a blessing in Genesis 12, 2. And through Abraham, the nation of Israel was made, and the covenant continued with the nation of Israel. Abraham and Israel were to lead other, other nations to worship God. They were to bring blessing to others and to bring redemption. They were to model to other nations what it looked like to be in a relationship with God and thus seek to worship God. But Israel failed. Although they were a blessing, they were also a curse. But God continued to remain faithful and continued to use Israel as a model of redemption, to show the world what redemption looks like and to set up the final redemption that, uh, that will come, that will offer redemption to all. And that final redemption is Jesus. And we went over that last week, that Jesus made us all debt-free and so much more on top of that. He brought redemption to Israel and the rest of the world, and now we are able to be with God. All are able to experience redemption. And those who are redeemed are now to be the new Israel. They are now the ones who are to lead others to worship God, to be a model to others to what, for what it looks like to be in a relationship with God and lead them to experience redemption. The redeemed are to do as God commissioned the disciples in Matthew 28, 18-20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And because of this, because of how God's redemptive story included Jews and Gentiles through Jesus, we have experienced redemption. For those of us who are Christians, we are the redeemed and now part of the new Israel. 
And, and now we enter into Acts, which we're going to be in today. And the scene is set where Jesus has come, died, and resurrected, and salvation for all has come, where redemption is here. And, and Jesus has appeared to the disciples after he resurrected, surprising them, but also blessing them, encouraging them. And now Jesus is ready to ascend to heaven. And says one last thing to the disciples in Acts 1.8 where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the scene that begins Acts and that we enter into. Or before the, the gospels, especially Matthew and Mark end with Jesus commissioning the disciples and the disciples were to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize them to, and ba baptize them too as well. In Acts 1-8, we see at the Ascension that there's another commissioning where the disciples will be witnesses in all these places. And I think these two go together in a special way. Where I think that the Great Commission in Matthew and Mark is more a Jesus-casting vision to the disciples, that this is their mission, to go out and make disciples of all nations and baptize them. The vision is that all nations, everyone will be offered the good news of Jesus, and people of all nations will be discipled and be baptized. They will be redeemed as the disciples were redeemed and be united with God in an intimate relationship with him. And Acts 1.8 tells the disciples how this is actually going to happen, how exactly all nations will become disciples and be baptized. One part is that it, be, it is to begin with Jerusalem and then all Judea and then and Samaria and then to the end of the earth. Like it's going from the center to the outside. And most importantly is the second part of what this verse shows, what Jesus mentions first, that the Holy Spirit will come upon them and they will receive power. The disciples aren't going to go to the world, going to the end of the earth, be witnesses of Jesus by themselves. They're not going to make disciples of all nations by themselves. No, they're going to have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be the one that gives them power to go and make disciples. To, be, to give them the power to be witnesses of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will be the one that will equip and empower them. And not only that, but it is the Holy Spirit who will be orchestrating and leading this whole mission. It is the Holy Spirit who will spread the mission from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria, and from there to the end of the earth. Remember, this is God's redemptive story. Just like how Patrick kept on saying how God is the center of all our ministries. God is the center of the story and this mission. And so it makes sense for God to be continuing and leading his story and mission. He has chosen and called his people to go and bring redemption to others. And this calling fits great into the greater picture of the story that God is writing. And just like we'll see in Acts, God has called certain apostles and people to have specific and unique roles to fulfill this mission and make disciples of all nations. And at the same time, it all fits into what the Holy Spirit is doing to carry this redemptive story and mission out of Jerusalem and eventually turn out the earth. But we start in Jerusalem, where the disciples, right after Jesus ascends, gets confused, but the angel, angels come and talk to them and calm them down, but they still get scared and they stay in Jerusalem though. And they choose a 12th disciple and they choose Matthias through lots. And then they, they continue to stay in Jerusalem and pray. And then suddenly the Pentecost happens, where the Holy Spirit finally arrives, where it says, suddenly, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What an entrance. Like the main orchestrator of bringing Jesus' witnesses to all the world comes in with a huge bang. While Jesus came in the middle of the night as a baby in a manger, the Holy Spirit enters as a violent wind and tongues of fire. That's a huge difference. And immediately the disciples were empowered. They were able to speak in other tongues that the Spirit enabled them to speak. Uh, and the Holy Spirit entered in such a huge bang that a huge crowd gathered near the disciples, curious about what the heck was that sound, and bewildered at the languages they were speaking. Of. Why are they talking languages that, I'm supposed, that I know but they shouldn't know? And, and the witnessing began, begins right away. Peter stood and preached to the bewildered and confused crowd. And that day, about 3,000 souls believed and were baptized. 3,000 souls became disciples of Jesus. The Holy Spirit did not wait at all. Immediately, he moved the redeemed out to the world. He moved out of that little room, the disciples out of that room to the world, to the rest of Jerusalem, and out to their community. And immediately, he empowered the believers and enabled them to live out the mission that Jesus called them to do. And immediately, 3,000 souls. The mission just started, and it's, it's awesome. But it didn't just stop at preaching and baptism either. It changed a whole lifestyle and community. We see throughout Acts that the community of Christians had, a, a, had this normal culture of a sharing of everything, where no one was in need. They all shared their own possessions with one another. And we see in Acts that there's also a healing in, of the sick and lame where, and of casting of demons. So where there is practical, physical salvation as well. And then there's an accountability to this type of community where we see in Ananias and Sapphira, if you lie about how, what you're giving, you will, you will be punished and there are consequences and you will die. And there's also a preaching and standing up against those in power that were not for them. So whenever, whenever they were challenged, they would stand up to that challenge and continue to preach the gospel. And this is part of what being a witness was. And we see another accountability sharing and caring for those in need in Acts 6. Where we fast forward and Greek widows. So we see that Greek widow, Greeks were part of the community in Jerusalem, and and there were widows there that were not being that were not having their needs provided for and were being neglected. So every week or every day they would have all this uh, surplus of needs of, of food or whatever uh, or clothing or whatever people need and would distribute them to whoever was in need. But the Greek widows were being neglected in this. So the community complained about this, said, like, we, this needs, we need, as a whole community, we need to be held accountable to this. So the apostle said, choose seven men full of the Spirit to do this. So seven men full of the Spirit were chosen. They were in charge of making sure of every, everyone's needs were met and no one was neglected. And right after these seven men were put in charge and, and were taking care and meeting everyone's needs, that in Acts 6-7, that the Jerusalem part of the mission is reaching its completion. Why don't I have that? And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So we see right here in this verse that, that Jerusalem is almost ready, or, or is almost finished. The mission in Jerusalem is almost finished. Like There's a there's great number of disciples already. So right after this verse, Acts the Holy Spirit and the believers began to transition to the next part of the mission. 
So Stephen, one of the seven men, has been chosen by the Holy Spirit to be a catalyst for this, this transition. And although Stephen's duty was to oversee the meeting of needs of the community, he was still doing great signs and wonders. He was empowered by the Spirit to do these things, and he was faithful to that part of his calling. So he wasn't satisfied with just like, oh, I have this role of just serving and meeting the needs. I have been given these powers and gifts, so I am going to use them and, and do signs and wonders and thus be a witness that way. And he was so faithful that even when he got in trouble, he continued to preach the gospel and talk about Jesus, even to the high priest and the council. So much that even after preaching to the council, he was sentenced to be stumped. He was executed. And on the day of Stephen's execution, persecution happened against the believers in Jerusalem. And Acts 8.1 says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Did you guys notice where the church went after the persecution? They went to Judea and Samaria. That's the next part of the mission. Through Stephen, who, who the Holy Spirit empowered, the church transitioned to the next part. It was the Holy Spirit who orchestrated it all. It was the Holy Spirit who, or, who empowered Stephen and led Stephen to be faithful. And through that, through Stephen's death, the Holy Spirit led the church out of Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria to go on to the next step of the mission that they have. So we walk into Judea and Samaria, and we start seeing all these apostles and preachers who just go throughout the cities, where we see Philip in Samaria and Gaza. We see even Peter in Lydda, Joppa, and Caesarea, where Peter just treks through Judea and Samaria, talking to the Gentiles and seeing the Holy Spirit work there, where, um, where he even sees visions by God preparing, saying the Gentiles are also part of the mission, and he sees the Holy Spirit entering into the lives of these, whole, uh, these Gentiles. And we see God even preparing the Gentiles even more by converting Paul, who was on the road, or converting Saul, who was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. And suddenly he sees a light that blinds him. He sees Jesus and starts repenting, but he's also blind. And he talks, and then we see Ananias, who was supposed to heal Paul, heal Saul, and God says, I have chosen Saul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So we see even then, like God and the Holy Spirit is preparing the church to move on to the end of the earth, to go beyond Judea and Samaria. So the church hears all about that God is doing in Jerusalem, and they have to recognize that God is also redeeming the Gentiles. So they just have to go along with God. They have to go along with the Spirit and what he is doing. And we see this tension even in the church in Antioch, where some preach to only Jews, but some preach to Gentiles as well. So there's this tension of like, what is God actually doing and what is right? So we meet Barnabas, who is a man full of the Spirit, who came to the church in Antioch and rejoiced and accepted the Gentiles. They were, he was excited that the Gentiles were becoming believers, who were becoming disciples of Jesus. And, and he saw that this is what God was doing because he was so full of the Spirit, and the Spirit showed, like, yes, this is what I want. This is part of the mission. So he brings in Saul, and they, they stay in Antioch for a year. But we also see that it's not that easy. It's not, it's not all just about preaching and, and people becoming believers. There's also persecution, where back in Jerusalem, Herod kills James, the brother of John, and imprisons Peter. We see that Peter gets free. And that Herod dies when he blasphemes God. 
But at this moment, we see that that Judea and Samaria are starting to be reached. That the mission there is almost done. So then God prepares to go prepares the church, prepares the mission to go on to the rest to the rest of the world. And so in Acts nine thirty one it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and multiplied. So the Holy Spirit is finishing up Judea and Samaria. So then we move on to Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles. And he goes on to his first journey with Barnabas. And they, they, they leave out of Cyprus, where they were sent out by the Spirit, where God even said to the leaders there, send out Barnabas and Paul, for which to, for to, to live out the work to which I have called them. So they were sent out by the church in the Spirit, and they went to Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And we know Paul, like, he was successful, like God used, the Holy Spirit used him, and, and people started believing. Gentiles, Jews, women, all that. But he also faced a lot of persecution as a lot of devout, devout Jews were not okay with Paul interacting with Jews and uh, we're interacting with Gentiles and all that. And, but we see in, Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem Council back, um, back in the Christian church there where the Spirit has fallen, they see that the Spirit has fallen, in, only, has fallen on the Gentiles and, only do, and Jerusalem can only, the only thing they can do is respond and go with what the Spirit is doing. That's all they can do. All, all Jerusalem can do, all the, church, all the believers in Jerusalem can do is just go along with what the Spirit is doing. So Paul goes on his second journey, not with Barnabas, but Silas and Timothy. And he goes to Macedonia, which is mainly in Philippi, which makes the Philippian church. Then Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and finally Corinth. So we start seeing these churches that, that we know about because of Paul's letters. Um, and in Corinth, God does something special. He says, he says to Paul, keep preaching. Stay in Corinth, don't be afraid, and keep preaching. Because I have set aside many, many of my people there in Corinth. So Paul stays there for a year and a half, and that's the longest Paul ever stays. And he goes back to Jerusalem after Corinth, and then he goes on his, to his third journey, where he goes to Ephesus mainly. And there, Paul speaks to the Ephesians, the Ephesian leaders there, and he says, I am following the Spirit and my calling despite imprisonment and affliction. So he knows that if he goes back to Jerusalem, he will be imprisoned and afflicted. Or even, and he knows that for sure, but even on other cities that he visits, there's a high probability that he will do that. But he's going to continue following the Spirit and his calling. And that's exactly what he does. He goes to, back to Jerusalem, and he's arrested and eventually brought to Rome. But on the way there, he continues to testify and witness his, how he was called and the gospel wherever he goes. So he, was in, he preached that in Jerusalem at the council. He, he preached that to Felix at Caesarea, who was the governor there, as well as to King Agrippa and Bernice, and then finally at Rome. And even at the, on the ship that he was chained to to bring to Rome that got shipwrecked, he, he was a witness there. And on the island of Malta where they, were, they landed, he, he witnessed there. Like Paul just did not stop. Even in Rome while he was in chains, he did not stop. 
and Acts ends exactly with that, where Paul is proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Christ with all boldness and without hindrance, where he lived for two years at his own and welcomed all and just kept on preaching. And Acts ends right there, but we see in Acts that there's all of these unique callings of the people. There's Stephen. He was called to do signs and wonders and meet the needs of, uh, of all of the community, but also to be the catalyst to bring the church out of Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. There's Philip, who was sent to Samaria and Gaza. There's James, who's in charge of the church in Jerusalem, who was in charge of getting Jerusalem to go along with what the Spirit is doing and speak truth so that all the believers were in one page and all the believers were going with what the Holy Spirit was doing. There's Peter, who became the bridge from Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, where yeah, he, he saw these visions, he saw God, what God was doing and, and became an advocate for that. And Paul, who became the apostle of the Gentiles and reached, went to the end of the earth. And so many more who went, like Barnabas, Saul, uh, Silas, and Timothy, who went with Paul, but on different journeys. So there's all these unique callings. And Acts ends with Paul continuing to preach. Paul continuing to fulfill what God has called him to do and go with what the Holy Spirit is leading him to do, to do his part in God's redemptive story. Paul just not, does not stop. Acts does not end with Paul stopping or the end of the world being reached. It doesn't end because the mission isn't over. The story didn't end yet. The end of the earth has not been reached. The whole world is not yet full of worshipers of God. And this makes sense because we know that Rome is not the end of the earth. We know that, and the early church finally figured that out too. So they continue to grow. They continue to be empowered by the Spirit and follow his leading. They continue to witness for Jesus and go out and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them. And we are here today because of that, because they continued, because they didn't stop just at Rome, because the Spirit was not done yet, because the story didn't end. And now we are also part of the story, part of it as people, if we are Christians, who are redeemed, who are now no longer separated from God. We are part of the people that God redeems in his redemptive story. We are now debt-free. And we are also part of the story as called ones. We are also called to be a part of this mission, to continue God's redemptive story, to be empowered by the Spirit and follow his leading. We are called to be witnesses for Jesus wherever we go. And just like the people in Acts, we each have our own unique and calling, calling and part of the story. But whatever it is, whatever ministry, whatever job, whatever family, whatever gifts and talents we have, it is all a part of the overall work of the Holy Spirit in this world and God's redemptive story. So our role is to figure out what is our, what are, what is our part in the story and how can we be faithful to it. So what is your calling and what is your part of the story? Let me pray and the worship can, team can come up. Uh, God, just thank you. Thank you for loving the world so much that you sent Jesus. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit and being the orchestrator of your mission, wanting your creation to know you and to love you and to be redeemed and be in a relationship with you. Thank you for all the people in Acts and not stopping at Rome. Thank you for including us. 
And thank you for giving us our own unique talents and gifts. And you have given us a unique calling as well. You help us figure that out. You continue to empower and equip us. Would you confirm in us our callings, our gifts, and our talents? And Holy Spirit, would you continue to lead us to, to live our part of the mission? To know that we are here to create disciples of Jesus and to, and to be witnesses of Jesus. So would you help us do that? And you help us do that in community. And don't let us stop till it ends, Lord. And we also know how the story ends, so we, we look towards that and, and find hope and joy and encouragement and, and motivation. And we, could, we just can't wait to see all the people who love you fill the earth and worship you. So help us play our part in that. In your name we pray. Amen.